Essential House in the mix, 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 in Montoya and Stewart featuring Stephanie Cook, I think I'm fallen, John Morales on the remix. Before that was Artful Ridney and Terry Walker missing you. We played you distant people, time and kings of tomorrow fall for you. Our track this week, this week, came from Kings of Tomorrow also, and it's called It's Only You. The Essential House. I'm sure many you know, and many of the listeners know, that down here on the show, each and every week we strive to bring you some of the biggest artists and biggest producers in the world. And we've outdone it again, it is John Morales from Eminem. John Morales had loads of tracks around, he's been around for years and years, and if you listen to the interview, he describes how he used to do all his remixes back in the 70s and early 80s. His brand new CD, Eminem Mixes Volume 3, is available right now. It's a triple CD, and it's got tracks on there from Louita Holloway, um, who else on there, Teddy Pendergrass, Marvin Gaye, Barry White, um, T-Connection, to name but a few. But we recently caught up with... John Morales and asked him how Eminem came about. Um, well, Eminem um, was uh, a combination of me and my uh, former partner, uh, Sergio Mundabai, who worked at a New York radio station called WBLS uh, back in the early 80s. Um, I was doing, um, back in the early 80s, uh, when disco and the boogie became a, a big thing, uh, a lot of the radio stations started to doing... Um, what they call Friday night dance parties. Uh, Sergio was the assistant program director there, and I used to bring uh, my pre-recorded mixtapes up, and we became friendly. I invited him down to the studio when I was doing some mixes. Uh, we got along and <coughs> said, hey, you know, do you, you want to help out? And he said, yeah, and, you know, a week later, we started working together, and Eminem was born in 1982. So, I mean, you've remixed a lot of the massive tracks over the years, especially the biggest tracks from the 80s, etc. Were you surprised right. at the Eminem success and surprised at the way your tracks were extremely well received? Um, uh, well, let's say I wasn't a little bit, I wasn't surprised because I, kn- I knew the quality was there. I, I think the thing that, um, as I tell people, has borne my heart a little bit is the acceptance of the music that a lot of the people today are having. <clears throat> you know, they're um, you know, they're going back to the classics and and taking a look at where, you know, the music that's going on today got its roots. Um, the the thing the stuff that I do is very tied into current, you know, what they would call soulful house music. You know, some of the early 80s stuff right there with Leroy Burgess and, and some of those guys and Patrick Adams that, that led into uh, what we we call house music. So for me, I mean, I'm happy the success. I think what it is, it, it's more so people uh, getting tired of uh, what they're listening to today and saying, you know what, I want to listen to some good music. And uh, this is a compilation of nothing but good music. So, I mean, I read that you'd remixed over 650 tracks, which I think, if I read right, it was around about 10 a month. How have you managed to whittle it down to find the tracks for the albums? Well, it's getting harder and harder. Um, because of the business part of it now, just the licensing and getting digital clearances for some of the stuff. So, I mean, Eminem Volume 3 took 
well over two, almost three years to assemble and finally get out. I mean, I had completed the mixing aspect of it over a year before it was released. And then it was a matter of just getting all the labels to uh, not only approve the mixes, but license the mixes. And it's just, um, it, it's difficult and it's just getting harder and harder. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, planning uh, volume four <coughs> and I've already started working on it, you know, just trying to, to get the tracks and getting the, the labels to give me the masters so that I can work on them. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, because the music business has changed dramatically now, and, and you know, the labels that are controlling everything are, you know, tightening their shoestrings to try to keep everything closer to home. So you mentioned you're remixing obviously a lot of tracks and getting the masters for the albums. Are you actually going back and revisiting some of the mixes you've done and bringing them up to date using modern technology on them? Or are you just like remastering them type of thing? Uh, well, all, all the the tracks are remixed. I mean, the only um, the only track that I revisited was "Young Hearts Run Free" the Candy State, which I did in Eminem Mixes Volume Two. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the reason being is that that was one mix that we did back in '85 that I kind of had a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth about. You know, it was just I listened to it and I was like, you know, I just. You know, we missed it. You know, we didn't get it right. You know, for the time, it sounded okay. You know, in the mid-80s, you know, you had big drums, a lot of reverb, you know, and that was the current trend. Um, you know, the Shannons and things like that, you know, the Hall & Oates that were using big drum sounds. And, you know, what I wanted to accomplish and what I've always wanted to accomplish was that I didn't want any mix to be pigeonholed for a certain period and a lot of that 80s stuff you know it's 80s stuff because it sounds like it so i wanted to go back and i wanted to mix it and i wanted to do it up proper and um and i think i i'm happy with it and i think i did it justice i just went back you know to the grassroots and i mixed what was there and i just tried to get the most out of it so, I mean, you've mentioned, obviously, back in the day, I used to use reel-to-reel tapes, etc., to do your mixes. What type of stuff are you using in the studio now, and how has the technology helped you produce more mixes? Um, well, I, I actually still have all the old analog equipment in the studio, the tape machines and the analog tape. Um, you know, the, the place where technology has helped today is in, in the editing aspect, and you know, actually assembling the mixes and being able to do things that would have took a lot of time, you know, back in the day. I mean, back in the day, we used to run off little pieces of tape and we'd write on them what they were, whether it was, you know, a breakdown with the bass, you'd cut it, we'd stick it on the wall, and then we'd cut the next piece and stick it on the wall. And, you know, you'd have all this tape, like just taped all over the place with little notes on them for what they were and then you would just put them all together you know nowadays you just cut you paste you do it if it sounds right fine if not you undo it and you fix it you know so the, the process of doing the mixes nowadays is a lot quicker because of the technology you know but at the same point the philosophy behind them has never changed it's always been the same 
So do you prefer nowadays putting something together, reworking a track, or did you prefer back in the old day where you were hands-on cutting and pasting, obviously with the tapes? Um, well, I mean, I, I tried to recreate a hands-on uh, environment in my studio, which is a bridge between the old and the new. You know, a small console, you know, that has faders that, that I can actually be interactive and stay away from the mouse. You know, so it does give me that, that old feel, even though it's being done on, you know, on a digital platform. You know, but there have been times where I've recorded mixes uh, back to tape just to get that analog warmth, you know, that we used to get uh, back in the day. So, you know, it, there's a 50-50. There's a like, like I said, you know, I've created an environment, you know, here at the studio which allows me a happy medium of yesterday and today. So, I mean, just looking at the CD, you've got you've got the three CDs there, um, eight tracks on each. Out of each CD, which tracks can have you got really fond memories of? Which tracks stand out the most for you when you are reworking them? Um, well, I, a lot of it has to do with the tracks and the artists. I mean, I for Volume 3, I really wanted to work with a lot of things that... You know, I had always admired, you know, the Barry White, Never Never Gonna Give You Up. It was just an amazing musical piece. And then on top of that, you have him singing it. You know, so on CD1, I would say, you know, the Barry White. And it, see, it's hard because I'm, I'm looking at the CD here and I'm saying, okay, I got Barry White. But then we got Gene Carn, was that all it was? Which is a, an unbelievable track. And then you have the T-Connection, Do What You Want to Do, which was a massive uh, dance track. You know, if you want to listen to something that's a little more kind of jazzy, kind of R&B, funky, you know, you got Johnny Hammond's uh, Fantasy. You know, then if we go to CD2, one of my favorite songs of all time is Marvin Gaye's I Want You. You know, which is something I did about six years ago, you know, which is just you know, one of my favorites of all time, you know, and then you have, um, you know, Teddy Pentagraph to Jones Girls, you're going to make me love someone else, and Third World's Now That We Found Love, so I mean, um, I mean, I just, you know, it, it, I didn't set out for it to be just a compilation of just hits, which, which it really isn't, because there are some, <clears throat> some hidden gems in there, like Hamilton's Affair, You Can't Have My Love, which is a track which was never released. You know, um, you know, Curtis Hairston, you know, who is kind of an underground favorite here in New York with uh, I Want You Love. And then CD3 was a compilation of just South Soul and West End tunes. And they were massive dance label uh, in the 80s with Dolita Holloway, Mahogany, and Sky, and South Soul Orchestra. So for me, it's like I just can't pick one I hate to use the old cliche you know if you have two kids which one do you like the best but you know in this case you know I have uh, literally 24 kids you know and I love each one of them there are some that I love more than others you know but I would say probably the Barry the Marvin Gaye and um, I guess Lolita's hit and run I have a, a fondness for for what she was able to accomplish with her voice so roughly, how long would it take you to put together, say, a remix if you received all the parts? Could you, could you get it turned around as quick as you used to back in the day, or you were, say, pushing out around about 10 a month, or would you spend a little bit more time on it now? 
Well, I would definitely spend more time on it now. Back in the day, you know, you were kind of locked in to whatever the studio time was booked for. Usually, um, I've always been a night owl, so our sessions were usually 6 to 6, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and I can't tell you how many times, you know, 9 o'clock, 9.30, the studio manager is coming by and saying, you guys got to get out. I have somebody coming in at 10 o'clock, and, you know, you'd have to finish it. Where now, <coughs> you know, my studio is, is in the basement of my house. I come downstairs. I work on something, you know, and the other added advantage of modern technology is that, you know, you can just save things and get back to where you were. Where back in the day, even when you saved something and you came back, it didn't sound exactly the same. And so, a last couple of questions for you. How has the scene changed over the last few years since when you started DJing to nowadays? How would you say this, the scene's changed? And do you think it's changed for the better or for the worse? Um, see, for me, I, I champion the old... 70s and, and 80s stuff so that's kind of where I focus all my energies um, you know my goal and what I'm doing now at my young age <laughs> is is to try to um, introduce you know the music that a lot of us love from the 70s and 80s to a new audience you know and get them to understand you know, what it was all about. You know, unfortunately, in, in today's society with music, you know, you no longer have those studio sessions where you have musicians, you know, the Baker Harrison Youngs, MFSB, you know, going in the studio with Randy Muller and Brass Construction or Sky and, and seeing them working together and putting a tune. I mean, it, it's just so sad that today's society can't enjoy enjoy that you know that satisfaction you know nowadays you sit in a room by yourself and you know you have nobody else there to bounce anything off of it's basically you so i kind of feel that that's what's aided in the music nowadays being slightly watered down you know there's no vibe there's no interaction there's no people you know working on something together trying to figure out how to make it better it's it's one guy with his computer, maybe a couple samples, puts a vocal on it, and you know, and it's on to the next one. So, I mean, the last couple of questions I said, um, what do you do? Obviously, you've mentioned you're going to be traveling a lot as well. Where about, where else can people catch you going to be playing over the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, um, in the UK, as I said, on Saturday, doing a Soul Weekender in Essex. Uh, Sunday, uh, which is June 2nd, uh, we're in 2013, I'll be leaving for Asia. I have a couple dates in Australia, Sydney, and Melbourne, and then on the 10th I go to Japan uh, to do a couple dates in Tokyo. So I'm really excited about uh, this part of the tour, as grueling as it's going to be. Um, I I I'm just excited, you know to take the music on the road. I mean, I, I did a gig two weeks ago in Dubai, which was just amazing, just to have the people reacted to the music and the excitement and young people, you know, just getting caught up 
in the music. That, that's what I always tell some promoters. I said, that if we get the people there, they will get it. You know, they, they'll feel the music, they'll feel the vibe, they'll know what it's about, they'll know that it's just not, it's not plastic, it, it's real. And, you know, gigs like that, I did something in Amsterdam where, you know, where people come out, they want to enjoy the music, and they get into it, and you have some 20, 24, 25-year-olds coming up saying, man, what, you know, what is that? It sounds amazing, you know, and it's like, oh, it's Gwen, Gwen McRae, you know? It's like, oh, I got to get that record, and they, and they write it down, you know? So, um, you know, I, for me, it's just the excitement of just championing the music. So where else can listeners find out more information on yourself, on your website, Twitter, Facebook, etc.? Uh, well, I'm easy, I'm easy to find because I don't have any fancy DJ or producer name. So um, my website is johnmoralesmix.com. Uh, on Facebook, I'm John Morales. And on Twitter, I'm John the Mixer. Um, but anybody could just Google John Morales and... You know, just pick from a host of different things and information. You know, there's a John Morales Soundcloud Cloud and Mixcloud pages where people can hear uh, exclusive mixes and mixtapes from different venues and gigs that I've done. Um, you know, they can just uh, reach out to me on the internet. You know, I try to reply to everybody's emails. You know, I try to be a personable person. I try to be very accessible to everybody. You know, because every once in a while somebody's got a question or they want to know about something. So, I'm easy to get a hold of. The Essential House. An absolute pleasure there chatting to the one and only Mr. John Morales. We're going to be announcing later on in the mix, later on in John's mix, how you can win a copy of his brand new CD. But for more information, check out www.johnmoralesmix.com. Sit back and enjoy John Morales, a mix recorded live in Dubai. The Essential House Guest Mix. Guest Mix. Guest Mix. Guest Mix. Guest Mix. Guest Mix.